Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Come on now, you're in church. Let's be happy. How's everybody doing today? Good. For those of you that I can see your full face, I love you. For those of you that I can see half of your face, I love you. For those of you joining us online, I love you. You can't make me hate you if I don't. I'll, I won't say anymore, but does anyone know? Anyway, I'm replacing lyrics and songs. I just wanna make mention of a couple things, having a pastoral moment leading on the pulpit. Uh, just some practical things for us going forward, you know, as the world is constantly changing, I just wanna make mention that we constantly have our fans running in here. I know that that's a good thing. Air circulation is a positive thing in this season of life. And then the other practical thing I wanna make mention of is if you're sick, stay home. That was actually true before COVID. <laughs> you know, we, we would have a sign on our kids' classes that would describe symptoms if your child was sick so that they wouldn't get other children sick. And then some people would have the audacity to bring their sick kid to our city kids and try to get them in and be like, no, no, no. You just take them home and you take care of them there. You know that there's, <laughs> you know that there's other sicknesses other than COVID? Do you know there's like the cold? If you have the cold, stay home. There's the flu. If you have the flu, stay home, engage with online. If you're extra grumpy, stay home. No, maybe you need to come and get cheered up here at church. All right, but we are together in Christ, are we not? It is Christ that brings us together and we shall not be divided as the family of God. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. We will not let our choice of conscience divide us. Amen. All right, we are in part four of our series that we have called Effective. And what we are talking about in this series that we're using three different terms as sort of synonymous terms, fruitfulness, effectiveness, and being productive. That all of us have been given this wonderful gift of time. And we all know that we can waste our time we can spend our time and then we can invest our time. And this is, I would say the last one in that list is what we should want to be doing um, with the totality of our lives because God has made an investment in us by creation and then he has made an investment in us through salvation. So that he has gifted us this wonderful life and then he has gifted us a wonderful salvation in Jesus. Because that is true, we shouldn't be wasting our lives. He actually wants us to be effective in kingdom ways. 2022 needs Christians to be good and godly and saved Christians and to act that way in the world so that we can actually make a difference today. We want to be effective. We don't want to waste our lives. We just don't want to be in this waiting game till we get to heaven. We want to know Jesus, have him affect our lives today so that we can actually be effective individuals. It's the difference between, be, between being useless or useful. And all of us want to be useful in our lives in this season that we are in. All, all of us are in a specific season of life, specific age. And there's some great things about every age and stage of life. And there is usefulness at every age and stage of life. 
to, to take what God has given to you and to use it to be a blessing for others. So we want to be useful in the kingdom of God, and this is what God desires for all of us. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 says this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set up set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Who's the master of our house? Jesus, that our life is submitted to God through Jesus Christ. And so he wants us to be honorable, that he could actually use us, that we are gonna cleanse ourselves from what's dishonorable so that we can be effective in life. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, um, verse 26 gives us, um, the, the purposes of God for man, you know, as, as functionality. This is, and Genesis 1 is, as we try to tell, this is not a scientific description of, of creation, but we see here in Genesis 1, it gives us a functionality. It gives us a purpose for our lives. Genesis 1 verse 26 says this, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over everything living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply that we have been given this wonderful biology that we can actually create other human beings and what a blessing that it is in the context of marriage. But then God wants us to be fruitful with our lives. It is a calling that God has given to each human. This purpose for our lives, he wants us to be fruitful. The definition of the word fruitful as we have discussed each week means to be increased. It means to grow. It means producing. It means a mature, edible product. That's what our life should be for others. Something to eat and then something to sow. We are endowed by our creator God with moral and intellectual and spiritual power, all of which he wants us to be influential for him. So all of the aspects of our relationship with God make us fruitful. This is the natural outgrowth of our relationship with God, that we would become a mature, edible product for other people. So week one, we talked about um, that we should be a good tree, that we should be a blessing to others. And I gave you five thoughts around fruitfulness. And then week two, Michael Leto talked about receiving the help of God and how important that is for our lives. And then last week, we talked about good growth, that we want God's word to penetrate the soil of our hearts so that we can grow up and be mature in the things of God, that we can grow up and be mature so that we can function in the world according to God's ways. So as we mentioned at the beginning, do you know that God has invested into you? God has given you so much. Parents in the room, have you not invested into your children? Now, for those of you that, that have children that can grow up and they can respond and they can talk back, sometimes they've forgotten. And in fact, they don't actually know how much 
they, that you have invested in them. And then uh, any, any parents in the room want to admit that you took your parents for granted until you became a parent. And you're like, wow, this is really hard. And they did so many things for me. They, your parents do things for you for years that you don't even remember. Investing years into you. And you'll have no recollection of any of it. And so God invests in us. And I'm going to use uh, sort of a business term. What God wants from us is he wants his ROI. Does anyone, anyone know what ROI is? Re- say it out loud with me. Return on investment. That's what God wants. He's invested something into you by creation and then by salvation. And he's looking for a return. But the return that he wants from you is all good for us. And it is all a blessing for other people. That God is not demanding something of us to somehow uh, give back to him for all that he's given to us to somehow make it up that, that he's given us this body and we can actually breathe and we can live on this earth and then somehow make it up to him that he sent Jesus to die for us. We could never pay back all of those things. But he does, ex- he does expect from us an ROI. And he has a description of what he wants that return to be. Now, when we were, we are actually, our, our um, Easter theme this year is hope rising. And I love that theme. And, you know, when we talk about hope, the, the reason we have hope, the reason we have a joyful expectation in our lives is because we put our faith in God. But what is God's hope for us? What is God's expectation for you and me? We should want to know that, right? Because he's given us all these things. We should want to know what God expects of us. And this is good parenting, right? Uh, If we think about, you know, you're you're taking your kids somewhere. Maybe you're taking your kids to someone else's house. Here's a good practice for you parents. Before you go in that house with your children, regardless of the age, turn off the car, turn to the back seat and say, kids, here are my expectations for you in this house. And you know what my dad would say to me and my sister pretty much everywhere we went? Be seen and not heard. (laughs) These were our expectations. We knew. Turn off the car, turn around. We're like, we know, dad. Be seen and not heard. We get it. We don't have anything good to say. (laughs) Now, it doesn't just have to be that. But what we want to do is describe to our children what our expectations. Here's what we expect. Because if we don't tell them and then they don't do it, we can't get mad at them, right? This is good parenting skills for you today. So here we're telling our, this is what I expect. When you go to school, here's what I expect. When you go to work, here's what I expect. Talking to our kids about our expectations. God is the same way. God has revealed to us in his word what his expectations are of us so that we can be fruitful. So let's read about some of these things. And the first topic we're looking at today is me with others. What God, what are your expectations for me in the context of relationships? In the context of relationships in my family, in my friends, in my marriage, with my coworkers? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in the context of relationships here at church? What does it mean? Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. We're gonna read some of these expectations. First one, it says, to put off your old self, 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, put off the old self and then put on the new self. In other words, I'm gonna make an exchange. There's a certain way that I'm gonna act and here are God's expectations for us. Created after likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief steal, no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only which is good for building up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. For those of us in Christ, those of us followers of Jesus, this is what the scripture says about us. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new self means to be rebuilt, renovated, part of the new humanity. We talked about this to uh, topic last week, the divine nature, that God actually wants us to share in his divine nature. The old self, do you know the old self? Can you tell when you are your old self? It's kind of like the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde situation. The old self, there's the new self, and then there's the old self. The old self is an old nature, an unregenerate self. No interest in the things of God. The old self is supposed to be crucified with Christ, dying with Christ. This is what we tell the story of when we have water baptism, which we're having coming up in the next little while. We're telling the story when we get baptized that we're dying to my old self. And when I come up out of the water, I'm risen with Christ. But the scripture is telling us in Ephesians that we need to choose this new identity. Put off the old and then put on the new. I'm not gonna act like my old self. And, and if you are, are wise, you can make yourself accountable to those closest to you to help you to know when you're acting like your old self. Now, it's not always fun, but it's good help. Like we talked about, you know, if you're extra grumpy, you need someone to tell you when you're acting like a jerk, and then you need to listen when you're acting like your old self, you're acting like you, you have not submitted your life to God, your unregenerate self, put off the old and then put on the new. Let's go back through these verses and compare and contrast some of these things that Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus about. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, what's falsehood? Talked about this last week, lying. Put away a lying and let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We're part of the family of God. So what are we gonna do? We're not gonna lie to each other. We're gonna speak the truth. The old you lies. 
The new you tells the truth. Who should we give in to? The new us, the new self, that we're generated by God's self, not the sin that's still existing in our flesh, but our spirit man that is renewed by the spirit of God. In there is truth telling. Jesus is the truth. We can yield to that, or we could just yield to our flesh. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Any married people find this a challenge? Because sometimes there is no resolution to the discussion at hand. And it's late. And you're really tired and you're not making sense anyway. A mature couple learns after years and years. Hey, we're going to pick this up again tomorrow, but I'm not going to go to bed angry. It takes some maturity to do that. We didn't get this resolved yet, but I'm not going to go to bed angry. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to sense the angry, the scripture says, but I'm not going to sin. Everybody senses anger. Anger will rise up for a thousand and one different reasons. We can be angry about so many different things, but the scripture says, don't let it take you to sin. And this is the way the world is operating right now. Anything that you're angry about, man, it's almost like you're, just, you're allowed to let it take you as far as it'll go. Be angry and do not sin. We're gonna feel it and we're gonna sense it. We're not going to let anger control our lives and give no opportunity to the devil. So all of these things that we are seeing that are part of the old self is making way for the enemy. We don't want to make way for the enemy of our lives. Some of that just has to do with us choosing, making a good choice. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work. Everybody say honest work. Everybody should work inside of the house or outside of the house. Everybody should work. And when your children are able-bodied and able-mind to be able to do some responsibilities around the house, they should learn that there's some responsibilities to be in this family. Mom's not going to do everything for you. You can pick up your clothes off of your floor. Mom, dad don't have to do that for you. Can I get an amen? amen? Everybody should work. Everybody should work. Everybody should work. <laughs> that is the new self. The new self works. It's not a part of the fall. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear no corrupting talk. Anyone struggle with this one? Anyone of a quick wit that might struggle with this one? Because you, you can just give the knife, you can add the words. Throw some gasoline on the fire with your words. That's the old self. <laughs> the new self is gonna do something that is good for building up. 
And don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed at the day of redemption. All of these things out of the old south, man, we don't want to be grieving the Spirit of God. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, old self, be put away from you along with all malice. But be kind, new self, kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So that's you with other people. The next one is me with my potential. What does God expect from you as it relates to your potential? Your potential, not somebody else's potential, not what somebody else puts out on Instagram, social media, whatever, whatever they're doing, not their potential. What is your potential? Who could you be? with honed skills and talents and calling. How effective could you be? It's a really good question to ask yourself because you know that God has invested something in you. The things that you are good at, you did not choose those things. God gave you those things. And you have friends that are good at different things and you're good at certain things. God has invested that in you. He's expecting some ROI. He's expecting you to do something with that. He's expecting you to develop it, to hone it, to use it. Matthew 25, verse 14, talking about the kingdom of God. For it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents once, at once and traded with them and had made five more. So he, he also that had two made two talents more. Now in this time, talents was actually a measure of money or a measure of finances. But as we know, um, Today, we use this word for talents, like some, if somebody can sing, they're talented, or if they can do certain, we call them talents. And the reason we call those talents is because of this story right here. This is the store, this is the source material for the word talents, that it got turned into these other things that we use today. But he who had received one talent dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. He brought 10, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. So here, the comparison, he didn't expect the person with the different talents to produce what the other person had brought. Each person has a specific potential. God has placed it in there. He has given it to you. So quit looking online to see what you should produce. You need to look to God. God, what is it that you're wanting me to do with what you have given me?
Because here this story is telling us God actually expects a return on what he's given to you. This is how the kingdom operates. Well done. He, person with five brought five more, brought 10. Well done. This is what you're supposed to do. Produce something. Be productive, effective with what God has given you. This is good to know God, God's expectations, right? Come on now. This is good to know God's expectations for us. So that the gifts he's given to us aren't gonna produce if we just sit on the sofa 24-7. Now you need to rest, but you also need to produce. And there's something in there. God has placed it in you. Kind of goes back to the working thing that I yelled three or four times. That those gifts are actually employable and somebody will pay you for the gifts God has given to you. And that's why you should tithe, but we're not gonna get out tithing right now. Somebody will pay you based on what you're good at. Can I get an amen? And this is God's expectation for us. So he also had received one talent, came forward, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So what did the person with one talent do? Nothing. Didn't hone it. Didn't use it. Didn't express it. Just did nothing with it, buried it in the ground, the metaphor is. It's just gonna, you know, it's gonna sit there and it's gonna be useless. Just waiting for Jesus to return, just waiting to die. No, God gave it to you for a purpose. Verse 27, then you ought to have invested with the bankers at my coming, that I should receive what was my own with interest. God expects a return. Are you with me today? God expects a return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. So many comments right there. For to everyone who has more will be given and who will have an abundance, but from him who has not, even what he has been given will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God's serious about this thing. God is serious about what he has given to you. And so what is the notion? When you use what you have, God will trust you with more. When you use what you have, God will trust you with more. And listen, this, be, this happens more and more over time. If you use what you have, you'll get better over time. And then you'll get better, and then you'll get better, and then you'll get better, and then you could be more and more of a blessing to more and more people, the more and more you hone your talents that you add competence to your calling. Because God has called you with those talents that he's given you. He's called you to do something with this. Don't bury it. Five adds five, and then he said, the one that did nothing, let's give it to the person who has 10. Why? Because they're gonna do something with it. They're going to use it. They're gonna put it into action. They're gonna be effective with it. First Peter chapter four, verse nine says this. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This grumbling is the theme of the day. Don't be grumpy. 
Anybody that came to church today, grumpy, watching online, don't be grumpy. But Pastor Brian, don't you know what's happening in the world? Yeah, I do. But you being grumpy is not going to change it. You praying will make a difference. You being joyful will make a difference to your person, to your neighbor that's depressed. The scripture says, count it all joy. My beloved brothers, when you fall into divers temptation. In other words, it's not joy, but we're gonna be joyful in the midst of a grumpy time. That's extra, it's on my notes. <laughs> Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So no more grumpy people today. Each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I love that. So what does a steward mean? A manager. You're going to manage your resources. And what are you going to do with the resources that God has entrusted into your hand? I'm going to serve somebody with it. If you're, if you're kind of one of those automatic joyful people in the room, there's somebody grumpy, grumpy in the room today. I'm just telling you there is. There's somebody grumpy in the room today. What you need to do after service is not run out of the building. Because I guarantee there's one of those happy people that you hate sometimes. You know, they're just happy all of the time. You need to get with that person after service. Because they have the gift of joy. And you need to get with them to change your grumpy disposition. Now, that's one example. But all of that is true. Man, I have some wonderful friends in ministry that, that I get with them and I talk to them. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to pastor a church. And the ways that they pastor is different than, than me. But me getting with them helps me to be more, more of an effective pastor or leader, whatever it might be. Because they have something that I don't have. And we all need to think this, that you have something that somebody else doesn't have. And in the context of relationships, man, you can be a blessing to somebody else. You can be a blessing to someone's family. You can be a blessing here at the church. You can be a blessing in your neighborhood, on the job. Use what we have to serve others. Finally, and we'll finish with this today, me with God. What are God's expectations on me and for me in the context of my relationship with him? Romans chapter eight, verse 16 says this. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. We're gonna suffer. We're gonna go through suffering in this world, but we have a savior. So we're gonna see the goodness of God in the midst of our suffering. Glorify, that's what it means. Glory means goodness, the goodness of God. But the thing I wanna emphasize in these verses today is that we are the children of God. And this should be your primary identity. Yours and mine. It's a lot of talk 
about identity in the world today. But your first one should be, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm not choosing all of this other nonsense that the world is offering. I am a child of God. That's actually a meaningful statement. From that place is the place that I should live. My identity is a child of God. That changes everything. Changes what I do, how I act, how I think, what I say. I'm a child of God. There's an inheritance from being a child of God. And the very best thing about being a child of God is that you actually get to be with God himself. You get to be in a relationship with him. Think about who God is and who we are for a moment. And God himself, the creator, the savior, actually wants to spend time with you and I. Just like parents in the room, you wanna be with your kids, right? <laughs> Even the two-year-olds in the room, you still wanna be with your kids when they're driving you crazy, you still wanna know where they are, right? You want to be with them. God wants to be with you. This is God's expectation on all of us. And we've talked about this multiple times this year. Setting time aside to be with the one who loves us the most. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. And this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God is light, and God is calling us to fellowship with him, to be with him. He wants to be with you. God wants to be with you. It's whether you're a morning person or a night person or whatever the case may be, God's expectation for us is that we would spend time talking to him. Because here's the deal, we can, we can commiserate with our old self, our old, depressed, sad, angry, grumpy self. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had a pity party with yourself? And it was like sitting in the mud with the mess of your life that you caused or somebody else caused. And sometimes, you know, we just wanna to sit in all of it. But when we fellowship with God, see, God is the holy other, that God is the transcendent, salving, saving God. And he pulls us out 
of the mud of our old self. Angry, grumpy, frustrated, sad, depressed. So this is why God wants us to spend time with him. And again, not just our own thoughts. Because our own thoughts, if we could admit it this morning, our own thoughts just drive us crazy sometime, right? Because we can't find a solution. And we don't know a solution. And we don't know what to do. But if instead we spent time with the eternal father who knows the end from the beginning, he knows what to do. He's the one that provides joy for us. He's the one that provides strength for us. He's the one that provides what we need. And then the end of these verses that we just read, so that we would have fellowship with one another. That God would have influence on me so that I could have influence on somebody else for the kingdom of God. This is God's expectation for you. God's expectation for you is not for you just to wait to go to heaven when you die. Thank God you're gonna miss hell. But God's expectation for you as he turns to the backseat this morning and says to us, here's what I want you to do. I've given you some stuff, I've given you some gifts and talents. And what I want you to do is I want you to serve others with those things. And I want you to spend time with me so that you can go and have fellowship with other people that you can take what I give you from the word of God, from the kingdom of God, from the ways of God, and then all of that can show up in your real life, real world relationships. Because people need the kingdom ways right now, friends. Last verses, and we'll finish with this. Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. City on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp, sort people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God does something in you. He's given you something. He has saved you. He calls you to be with himself so that you can be a city on a hill. So all that you do can be infused with the spirit of God, the ways of God, the word of God. This is what God expects of us all. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your goodness today. We just thank you for all that you have given to us. For all of us in the room today, we say thank you, Lord, for all that you've placed into our lives, either by birth or the new birth. God, we are so grateful today. God, and we pray that you use us, that you help us to be good stewards, good managers of what you have given to us. God, you are lighting our way so that we can be a light to the world. We thank you for that. In 
Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, we, we just read there that God is light. So what God does for us in salvation is he is a light in our darkness. And anyone without a relationship with God really is just existing in that place of darkness, separation from God. So if you're here in the room today or you're watching online and you don't feel like you've got the first base with your relationship with God, you have never said yes to Jesus, never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second that will help you to do that. Everybody just needs the starting place with God. The good news, the gospel story is that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, God offers us a relationship with himself. It's called righteousness, right standing with God. And for us to have right standing with God, we we can't pretend that we are perfectly moral people. We aren't. And we can't create some sort of religion and offer it to God. But what God has done is he has come down to the earth in Jesus and done all of these things that I just mentioned. And then he just offers it to us as a gift, it's called grace. And all we have to do is receive that gift. So if you haven't done that today, I invite you, we all invite you to pray with us today. So church, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this with somebody who might be praying it for the first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. Today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father today. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, City Church, just give it up and celebrate with people who made that decision for the first time. So good. It is one of the best decisions you'll make in your whole life. And I just love what Pastor Brent just said there. Uh, This is a great starting point. Uh, But what lies ahead is just a beautiful journey of just discovering all the things that God has for you. And so if you made that decision for the first time this morning, or if this is, uh, that was just a moment of rededicating your life to to God again. Just want to encourage you to stop by the info desk in our main lobby. We'll have a smiling city team member there just ready to hand you some information, kind of get you started on this new journey. And as well, if you're joining us online, make sure to email us at info at thecitychurch.ca. We'll get you all of the same resources. Well, City Church, it's so great to see you here again this morning. Come on, let's say no grumpy pants. That's what I need you to take away as you head into your week, all right? Here's a reminder, Easter's in a couple of weeks, so uh, start thinking about who you wanna bring, be prayerful, just about who you can invite to our services. That's at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. City Church, you're gonna have a great week this week. No grumpy pants, you hear me? All right, have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week at 9 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We love you.